welcome to Seren Lit, a Southern Renaissance literary journal showcasing women, femme-identifying, and or non-binary writers exploring the lingering South. I'm your host and Seren Lit founding editor, Melody J. Rogers. This podcast is an exquisite extension of our literary journal located at www.sorenlit.com. If you would like to make a donation to support our literary movement and help us keep the lights on, please donate to our PayPal. You can find us at PayPal by searching Lit for women at gmail.com. That's S-O-R-E-N-L-I-T, the number four, W-O-M-E-N at Gmail. Or simply click the donate tab on our website and it'll take you right to the site. Okay, so let's get into this, shall we? Today, we have the pleasure of meeting Deborah Bowling. Deborah Bowling grew up in Northeast Alabama with a love of books and writing. After graduating from the University of Alabama with degrees in social work and criminal justice, she worked with issues such as domestic violence, runaway teens, child abuse, and other areas, while also writing articles and stories, taking photographs, and producing video documentaries. Bowling was a finalist in the 1989 Hometown USA Video Festival for Stories of Survival, which was also screened by Amnesty International and Image Film and Video the same year in Atlanta. Her documentary, Walking Without Music, Raymond Andrews and the Storytellers Tradition, was purchased by Emory University to include with the author's papers and books and a special collection and included as part of films available through the Center for the Study of Southern Culture at the University of Mississippi. The Atlanta Bureau of Cultural Affairs awarded her a grant in 1991 to complete three Southern writers, video documentaries by authors Tina McElroy-Ansa, Terry Kay, and Sarah Flanagan. Bowling published poetry, <coughs> yes, poetry, photography, and nonfiction, as well as short fiction in numerous publications. Her short story, Tattoo, was selected for inclusion in the North Carolina PBS Playhouse 30. The Memory of Flight, her debut novel, was published in December 2014 by Little Feather Books and was awarded the 2015 Georgia Author of the Year Award for First Novel by the Georgia Writers Association. Story Circle Book Reviews awarded the novel five stars in a review in June 2016 and chose it as an editor's pick for two consecutive months. Woohoo! What a bio! Let's give a warm welcome to Deborah Bowling. Hi, Deborah. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, so good. So great to have you here and so, so impressed by your wonderful bio. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Awesome. So let's jump right in. What, tell us about your connections to the South. Uh, well, I grew up in North Alabama, as you read before, um, in a very rural area. Um, uh, was stayed there till I went to the University of Alabama. And then I lived in several communities in Alabama for several years before moving and, and going to some other places. So I have a very strong connection with Alabama and I also um, have lived in Atlanta now for many years. So I've been in Georgia quite a, quite a bit of time. And most of my stories take place in the South. Um, I've lived in a few other places, but I think it's kind of that thing where uh, things kind of marinate in your mind over the years and you tend to go back to it when you're writing. So a lot of my a lot of my stories and and uh, ideas come from the South. 
Um, they also come from a lot of the work that I did. Um, there's something about being a social worker um, and a sociologist um, kind of background when you uh, work with a lot of different nonprofits and you see, you know, you're meeting a lot of people, you're hearing their stories, you're seeing, you know, how they make decisions about their behavior, that kind of thing. And so a lot of that informs my writing as well, because I'm, I'm always interested in telling people's stories, particular, particularly people that are not mainstream, that whose stories have not been told as much. Um, in my novel, The, the Memory of Flight, um, it was drawn heavily uh, from my childhood. Um, I, I started it in the action takes place in North Alabama. There are some events that actually happened, but it's fictionalized. And so, um, so some of the things I had to do a lot of research on to kind of to kind of be able to write from you know from the perspectives of two of the characters. But in that book, um, one of the women, the, the women, the woman who's the main character. Um, is beginning to have mental health issues and she has just escaped from a domestic violence situation. Um, and then the, uh, when I wrote the first, first part of the book, I was mainly in that character and the character begins to hear voices. And so I had to do a lot of research on that, um, you know, to understand. Um, I, I read some, I listened to some interviews with people who, um, who uh, talked about what their experience was like. And so when I tried to put that together, but, but then a couple of the, some of the feedback I got was that I needed to have a second character because sometimes it was hard for people to, um, to get more of a sense of reality. So I, so I went back and wrote it with a daughter's point of view uh, in alternate chapters and the daughter is coming of age. She's very young when it starts. And so then that brought in a whole lot of other things to the novel after that, um, you know, cause, so it became, you know, much, a much broader uh, novel after I started uh, including that. But, um, but, that but, but I didn't read much when I was growing up of, you know, there weren't as many stories then, um, you know, about people with mental illness or, or even, you know, it was, it was, there was not stories about growing up where you had a parent who was mentally ill. Um, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, I wasn't around a whole lot. So, so I just felt like that was a story that I wanted to tell. Um, I, I love that. Um, the book is absolutely exquisite. And before we even get into, because we're going to dive deeper into Memory of Flight, um, such a beautiful text. Um, when did you first know that you wanted to get into the writing space? And what was the first work you shared in public? <laughs> Um, I've been writing for a long, long time. I mean, as a kid, I was always writing. I, um, I think it was about age eight or something like that, where I wrote this kind of real sappy short story. Uh, you know, it's like, and you know, so I've been writing a long time. But um, when I went to college, um, I took a course in creative writing, in fiction writing, and the professor encouraged me to add that, um, you know, to um, somehow or another to go ahead and, and add that degree in there. And at the time, it, it, it didn't feel okay to me for some reason. I think um, probably because I just, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know if I could make a living that way. And I grew up in a very poor family. So, you know, figuring out how you were going to be able to make a living was an important thing, particularly with, um, you know, uh, 
you know, particularly with uh, having been so poor and you're going to college and you're getting this loan, you know, you're doing all these things. And so anyway, I um, um, was a few years after I was out, um, I kept writing all that time and I did write fiction, but I think I didn't really take it as seriously about doing something about it until I read a particular book and it was just, I don't know what it was about the book, but it changed everything. And it was um, Alice Walker's book of short stories called In Love and in Trouble. Beautiful. And it, it, it was something about, I, I identified so strongly with the characters in those short stories and the and the, the sense of, I mean, I grew up, grown up very poor, grew up in a very rural area, um, you know, and so some of the pieces that she wrote, I identified with so much. And so that, that it was very moving for me. I uh, reread it a lot. Uh, I gave it, you know, and I actually gave more than one copy away to other people I met who were going to be writers and stuff because I, you know, found it so inspirational. So I kept having to rebuy it for a while, but, um, that, and, uh, it was just, it was a huge impact. Um, I finally started working actually on the memory of flight. Um, it started out as a couple of short stories. Um, I thought, I think in my mind, I always start off with the idea of a short story because a novel sounds kind of daunting, you know, the whole writing that whole thing. So I kept writing these short stories and they kind of, you know, all kept revolving around. So eventually, um, I, um, joined a group, um, a critique group with a local writers group. And you had to read a story to, you know, for them to, um, allow you into the group. And so I did that and it, um, I started reading the memory of flight. So that, that was extremely helpful to me. Uh, there's something about when you read, uh, you know, when you're reading and you've got, you're assigned to read a certain day that makes you keep coming back. Um, and there's also something about critique groups that makes your thin a little, skin get a little thicker, um, you know, where you hear feedback. You also have to get to the point where you hear things and you listen and you decide whether it's true for you or not. Um, there are some people who will critique it and say, well, this should be this, this should be that. And, and, and but there's a part of you that has to go, you know, is this true? And what I try, tend to try to do is to wait a few days. Sometimes when people get very, you know, when they give a huge, you know, this should not be in there that I don't, you know, I think about it for a while. And then, you know, sometimes I don't follow it. Sometimes I do, but certainly it prepares you for when your book comes out and you know and people are critiquing it on amazon and other places and you know because there's sometimes they'll say well this book doesn't do this this and this and you're going sure it does on page three you can see you know <laughs> you want to say that but of course you can't but um but it does help you know it does help that you know to get a thicker skin and, and so i that that made a big difference to me Awesome. Um, <laughs> and, with, and with your first novel, Memory of Flight, I know um, you told me it was going to be, um, it's going to be kind of reissuing and um, in the fall, which is going to be great and on a bigger platform. And that'll be nice. Um, or um, tell us about, um, you gave us a little bit about um, it focusing on um, uh, the South and uh, the Southern region and mental illness and everything like that. Give us a, um, a brief synopsis about um, this wonderful novel. Um, the book is, uh, for the, for the one character is a coming of age, um, but it's a coming of age in the, um, in the, uh, seventies, um, uh, early seventies is most of that time period. And, and so, you know, things are, 
you know, so you're writing in that time period. And so there's, you know, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of mental health problems. Um, I mean, mental health um, resources and you still have, you know, the mental hospitals. It was before they made the decision, you know, to close a lot of the mental hospitals or shut down certain types of things. So, but one of the things that I did notice when I started doing research is that the fear of getting help um, so often from that time period was because there was this idea that if you admitted that you had a mental illness or if there was a mental illness that you could be sent to a mental hospital and never get out um you know and and then there's just you know all kinds of, of issues with it and i think it that fear kind of still still stays here now even because there, there's all this fear about well if you know which is totally different than it was back then but but marilyn um uh she's undiagnosed she doesn't have medication the kinds of things that we have now it's very difficult in a rural area but she um um it was very challenging to me to to um work with this and part of the reason was uh, because some of the some of the behaviors and some of the events that I use are from some of the uh, things that was my mother's and my mother was, um, I based some of that behavior on my mother who had, um, who did hear voices and did have some mental health problems. And, um, but the character is not just like her. Anytime you're doing something like this, you're taking, you know, great liberties, <laughs> you know, with thinking about how they must have thought or felt when I have no idea how she thought and felt about some things. Um, all I know is how she reacted and things she said and kind of took that and backed up into the fiction, um, if that makes sense. And then there were, um, interviews that I heard where people did talk about how they experienced, um, um, that kind of, I mean, how they experienced voices, what they said, how they did. And so I tried to use some of that to try to make it as realistic as I could. And, you know, and I have no idea, you know, how, how close it is to the real thing. But, but my point was to, to show the, the great struggle. I mean, it, it's this huge struggle and, you know, it's like for, um, at that time and particularly, and it still is a struggle with mental illness. I also tried to, I didn't start out doing it, but I also um, uh, started looking at things like, you know, the struggle that it is for the family, because I certainly experienced that when the struggle for children. And it's kind of interesting to me that you find a lot of times that sometimes the spouse will leave um, because it's too much, but then the children are still there. And to be a child um, where reality is kind of, back and forth a little bit, you know, is, is a, is also a, a difficult thing. And so that's where I, where I went with the, um, with the other character is kind of looking at how these things influenced her or how she thought about things. Um, some of them are, you know, and also the other thing is, is that when you have, um, as in our society is, you know, a lot of times when you have people with any kind of problem, um, there are certainly those other people that, take advantage, you know, that take advantage, you know, um, uh, and, and so there are those problems as well, you know, because that parent is, if whether it's mental illness, whether it's medical illness or whatever, you know, you see that often, especially in social work, you know, where families get compounded by multiple problems, you know, because there are always 
there's always those pieces then that fall apart because, you know, because they get, you know, people coming in and trying to take advantage of the situation. But anyway, um, I go through that. And then at a certain point, um, the uh, daughter uh, goes off to college and she's excited about going and she's developed um this, she started out with taking photographs. It's what saved her. It's what she lived for. She, you know, and she took pictures and sometimes inappropriately taking pictures of people when they were emotional because she was craving that 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 sense of emotion and what happened. So she starts taking all these pictures. And once she gets to college, she's so obsessed with her pictures that she kind of ends up in this kind of weird situation where you know she's convinced that this is art you know because for her it's always been like a you know like an emotional thing she's attached to she never looked at it as art but as she became um better at it and she's in college she starts you know taking these um photographs then and then one day she takes a picture of a young woman who is acting kind of odd and is pushing a stroller and she's crying and she can't help herself, but she starts taking pictures and it ends up that her pictures end up um, being used in a um, murder trial. And this young woman is um, accused of murder because of the photographs and stuff. So that starts a whole other part of the book um, where there's all of these, you know, all of these pieces going on about what happened to this baby. And, and you know, and her, you know, and her pictures kind of show some of that. So and, and in that, uh, it circles back around where in trying to think through what happened to this baby, she also has to think about what happened to herself. Um, Absolutely. And that kind of gives a little bit of, of kind of where that book goes. Um, but um, uh, it, the book uh, was was published by a small uh, publishing company in New York, and um, they are um, it's it's it started having difficulties, and so it's no longer um, it's it's no longer available. Uh, on Amazon just came off of Amazon and it's being reissued in a program with the Authors Guild there um, uh, where they bring things back to print so it should be coming out in the fall again or as a reprint awesome and you know what we would love to hear you read from Memory of Flight um, will that be okay yes that would be great I've got a small piece and just to set it up a little bit um, at the beginning chapter um, Marilyn is the is the um, character and she is at that point still living with her husband and she has two daughters and she's also pregnant um and so they're on a drive there uh she's they had had there was a, a domestic violence situation earlier uh, the, uh and so things are calm now and she asked to drive up to um, see the dam at the lake, um, you know, to get out of the house. And so this is just a little piece of them on that drive as they go up. And her husband's name is CB and that typical Southern thing back then where uh, a lot of men were named by two um, initials <laughs> rather, than, rather than a full name. But um, <clears throat> Still upset, CB's voice was deep and loud in the car. She turned her head slightly toward him but did not answer. She flinched and squinted to see him in the darkness when he moved forward suddenly, his hand searching under the seat. He pulled out a brown paper bag. Why don't you take a sip with me? Again, she did not answer. 
but turned toward the window, annoyed by the sound of whiskey sloshing in the bottle when he raised it several times. The highway was lined heavily with trees, dense and overgrown, blocking out much of the fading light from the sky. As they turned the curve, two eyes glowed in the distance, returning the headlights glare. The eyes held hers, and she wondered what animal had stopped, blinded by CB's lights, its motionless body waiting, frightened by the sound of the motor racing toward it. Maybe it was waiting for fate to decide if the car would smash it to death or pass on by. Was it too scared to run? The road twisted to the right and the eyes disappeared. Marilyn felt vaguely disappointed as if the car had failed its mission. She must have let out a sound because CB's fingers suddenly touched her shoulder, stroking the only part of her that he could reach. She imagined their imprint on her skin like the purple dark spots his hands left around her neck and shoulder last night. She pulled her body closer to the door and his hand slid to the seat. After a few seconds, he sighed loudly and turned his hand and returned his hand to the steering wheel. Oh, that was good. Love it. <laughs> now, where can we, because we want to ride on your coattails. You said Memory of Flight is going to um, be uh, available. Was it the Author's Guild? Uh, no, the, the author's the author's skill is bringing it back, but it will okay. be in all your typical places. It'll be on. Um, you can you'll be able to order it uh, on Amazon or bookstores or you know wherever you normally are able to get a book. Perfect. And um, social media, social social media. <laughs> Where can our readers um, ride on your coattails and and find you and keep up with the updates? Uh, I have a web page and it's uh, debrabowling.com. Uh, com, and I have a Facebook page um, that's easy an author page for Facebook that's also easy to get and I try to keep updates on the web uh, on my web page you know and as soon as it's coming out I'm really excited it will have a new cover and be um, a little you know a little bit different than the book is as it just first came out so it's almost like a new book coming out awesome I cannot wait. I, I think that's such an amazing journey and it's a beautiful book and I cannot wait to our readers um, to read it. Uh, thank you so much for coming today, coming today on our Zoom podcast, uh, you know, Serene Lit Experience. Uh, Deborah, you are one of our uh, heroines. And so thank you so much for just being such a seasoned writer and just an amazing um, supporter of Serene Lit. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it, Melody. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.